0: to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. I'm going to talk a little bit about advocating today. I've already done an episode, I don't know, geez, I guess a couple of years back about advocating for your cutie and what that means like, uh, what that looks like for everybody and what that means for each parent individually and each child. But As I've worked more within the community and learned more about other parents' experiences and just listened to other moms' and dads' talk, I have come to a realization that advocating isn't just for your child. It's also for yourself as the parent. Now, what I mean by that is... We think about advocating in the terms of you are trying to um, stand up for another person. So in this instance, we are advoca- advocating for your child to get a certain treatment or to have a certain care plan or a protocol come in uh, because you know that that's what's best for your child. So you're trying to advocate for their needs. And I was recently talking to some moms um, in the clubfoot world, just talking about how so much of the clubfoot treatment is done when our child is developmentally unable to express their own needs, which means that we do a lot of guessing of what those needs are. And... When your child isn't verbal enough and they're still very young and an infant even, it's really hard to decipher what exactly a child or your baby would need in each care situation. So as parents, we do the best that we can with the information and input that we receive from our children, but so much of that is frankly just guess, and check work, right? Until we have a little bit better understanding of our child and they are able to adequately express what it is that they need. And I think about this in terms with our own cuties journey, like with the clubfoot journey... So much of that done, the heavy lift was done really within the first year where we were in casting, the tenotomy, the 23 hour wear, all the way down to 14. And then we'd, by the time she had gotten to kind of nightly, night and nap wear, we were at a pretty solid routine. And we've maintained that routine for with small hiccups here and there, right? Granted, but um, pretty much throughout and we're close to the end now. And so I think about that, and there wasn't a lot that I could do in that first nine months where, I'm sorry for parents listening who haven't heard this or don't know this, but where we didn't sleep. and We were up, uh, I don't know, countless, 20 times a night with her and for the first, I don't know, 10 months of her life. And I did everything I possibly could to figure out what she needed, and I couldn't ever really get it right. We never really figured that out. Um, And part of that was just because I was trying and my emotional baggage from the clubfoot and the birth defect and all of it also impacted that. So there was my emotional input into the guilt I felt for her having to go through treatment and maybe allowing more space for her to I don't know, utilize us more as a crutch when she was sleeping? I don't know. Anyways, what I'm just trying to say is, during that time frame, when we were kind of in an acute chaos situation, I'll say, I don't think it was ever a crisis situation, um, but I never really figured it out. And part of that was just a disconnect between her ability to tell us what she needs and my ability to make that happen. So let's fast forward to... Before she turns four, and she is diagnosed with ITP, and we're looking at, like you know, an innumerable amount of blood draws coming up, and. My ability to communicate with her as an almost four-year-old was so substantially different than what I was able to do when she was an infant. And that made such a big difference in my ability to advocate for her, right? I was like... She liked a specific facility to get the blood draws done. She had a specific way she wanted it done. Um, We had a whole routine in place to set that up. And it wasn't just me doing that. It was also my cutie's input on what she needed to feel more successful. Now, those are kind of the very different approaches we had To how I utilized my ability to advocate for her needs in that situation. But what I have kind of come to realize when I'm talking with other parents is that advocating isn't just about advocating for what our child needs. Yes, we are advocating for them and their treatment and whatever it is that they need. But we also have to advocate for what we need as parents, right? So if we need in for more information. So let's say let's use the example of somebody who is going to have to have surgery for their child after a clubfoot relapse. If you are hearing that for the very first time, and if you've listened to some of the episodes of moms who have received that, that information, that their child's clubfoot has relapsed and they are going to have to do more treatment, including a surgery, I mean, I can, I can only imagine that your brain is flooded with so much overwhelm, emotion, fear, anxiety, all of those feelings in that appointment. So during that appointment, they're telling you, they've confirmed maybe what you've uh, suspected, right, or thought about, and maybe might be one of your worst fears, right, is like, I really hope that this doesn't happen to my child. So you're processing all that information. And at the same time, you are given all of that treatment information. What's what that's going to look like, and you're trying to take all of that information in at the same time that you are trying to just process the news that you've just heard. So in that situation, you're listening. Um, I don't. I don't know how much I would intake in that, and I would be thinking, oh, "Okay." And so in that moment, if we're thinking about as a parent. What do we need and how do we advocate for us to get our needs met? At the end of the day, so much of what we make decisions about as parents, especially in the world of pediatric health care, is decisions for our child. We're, we're decision makers and a lot of that comes with a big responsibility and it's to our most important people, the people we are responsible for that are, um, we are responsible for their care and their well-being. And uh, and then we have to make these incredibly difficult, you know, decisions about what their care is going to be. It's not as if, I tell this to people, it's not as if my cutie decided that she was going to wear her boots and bar consistently every day. Uh, that was a decision I made and that we stuck to as her parents. Well, my husband was there too, okay. Uh, but that we made together, that wasn't a decision that she made. And when she got older, it had become so routine that it didn't, there wasn't this question for her of like, oh, I I get to make this decision. No, it's not your decision to make because I'm responsible for your well-being Not just now, but the future adult that I'm envisioning in my head. And so in that situation, let's say you're in that appointment, all of the treatment information just goes completely over your head because you're completely awash in emotions and overwhelmed. What do you do for yourself in that point? Maybe you've taken in some information. Maybe you've made another appointment. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've been given some paperwork about what that's going to look like, some sort of take home. I'm not really sure. I've never been in this scenario. So this is all hypothetical. But in that moment, you have to think, or when you get home, right, you have to think about... What is it that I need as a parent to make the best decision for my child? And that's not just about advocating for your child's needs. That's also advocating for your own needs. So do I need to call the doctor again and have a different a different appointment that's just walking me through what that looks like? Does that mean I could just maybe do a virtual or a phone call or say, hey, listen, I was... Overwhelmed by the diagnosis and the information that I received, and a lot of what you said about what the treatment is going to look like just completely left my brain. So, could I have some time with you for you to explain that to me again? And I think, as parents, and I'm speaking for myself here too. We tend to not want to do that because we don't want to be a burden and we don't want to seem like we weren't listening. We don't want to act as though we don't know what we feel like maybe we should know. And the reality is we have to start to think about how we get the information we need to make confident decisions that will hopefully lead to successful outcomes. And sometimes that means rethinking what we need as parents to advocate for ourselves so that we can advocate for our kids. Um, It seems like kind of a complicated but also no-brainer situation at the same time. I think as parents, we don't take a lot of time to think about what it is that we need. Because we're parents and we're constantly trying to navigate what everybody else's needs of our children are around us, especially when we have medically complex kids. So what are some ideas that you guys can think of that would help you in that situation? Like if I think about real life when we were in that acute chaos situation, I mean, maybe I could have ask like, hey, are there other parents you could connect me with so that I could talk to them about what their experience is? Uh, Do you guys have any resources for me about sleep? Do you guys have any ideas about how to help our baby adjust and what's normal for parents and what's not? Like some sort of baseline. I think a lot of the time we're sent home and we think uh is anybody else experiencing this and that only leads to isolation and the isol- isolated and lonely feelings can only amplify uh a lot of the other emotions that are coming with hard things in our lives so i just felt like i wanted to say something about it because it seems to be a theme that's coming up and letting you guys know it's okay We all feel like we have permission to advocate for our kids. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy. It's never come easy for me. But I feel like it's my right to advocate for her and it's my duty. But when it comes to myself, I don't always put that together. I don't always think, oh, man, I need to advocate for myself even as her parent, like what do I need as her parent in this situation? And I think sometimes that gap between the parent experience at home and what we're presenting in appointments to medical providers can be bridged by us starting to think about what it is that we need, just even being aware of it, and then going that extra step and asking for it saying, hey, listen, this is what would really help help me. Can you help me navigate where to where to get this need met? I feel like we do that for our kids and it's time for us to start thinking about how we can do that for ourselves because in reality our kids are directly impacted by that, right? If we are advocating for ourselves, the only it's only gonna be positive outcomes for our kids too so it's kind of that self-care scenario where they always say take care of yourself before so that you can be better to care for your kid and sometimes I always you know to be frank I'm, I'm I don't think I really have ever done that very well um and so maybe that whole idea is new to me for this advocating aspect of for myself as well so I encourage you guys to think about what it is that you need when you leave an appointment or in an appointment, and then really think about not just what my child needs, but what do I need as their parent. And then think about even if it's just one thing that you can ask for, and even the asking part is going to be a win, I think. So, anyways thank you all for listening. I hope that this episode was helpful in some way or fashion. And if you did find it helpful, feel free to share with people you think would benefit from it as well. And if you ever need to get in contact with me, you can do so through my website at maureenhoff.com or through my Instagram account at clubfootchroniclesmom. Until next time.